how powerful it is for us to be like present with people and to really see them. When someone says no, they're not rejecting me personally. It's not about me at all. Really to be connected and to offer unconditional love to ourselves, like to find that within ourselves and then to offer that to other people. So really like love and connection. Gratitude and any other emotion can peacefully coexist. Welcome to the People Around Town Community Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Michael Cropper, and I'm really happy to bring you this podcast. My purpose is to connect with people from all backgrounds and let them share a little of their story. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has life worth living. And we can all create more joy in our lives. I want to hear other stories so we can learn from each other. If you are interested in sharing about yourself, please go to peoplearoundtown.com and send me a message. I'm with Rebecca Huff, and I'm so excited to have this conversation (laughs) with you. I'm excited to have this conversation (laughs) as well. (laughs) So Rebecca invited me to come and uh, hand out some food to people around the downtown Salt Lake City Library. Um, Thank you for inviting me to to join you. Thanks for coming. I'm glad you came, really, and could kind of experience it. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. So, Becky, Mm -hmm. I want to hear about you. Okay. Uh, (laughs) This is just to get an idea of who you are. So what can you tell me about yourself? Um, So I am an elementary school counselor. Uh, My background is social work. So I worked as a a social worker at an alternative high school for four years. And then I've been an elementary counselor for, this is my sixth year. And um, I, like one of the cool things about my job is that I have summers off. And so... I would say one of my passions is international humanitarian work and so or really just humanitarian work service work Uh so having summers off and like big chunks of time off then i get to go do like service trips so question you always get is what are the things that you've done (laughs) like which trips have i done yeah so i um i've done work in zambia africa um with a it was called the children's resource center and so we were doing like land development for um like a facility they were building that's kind of like an kind of like an orphanage but okay but a different model um and then we went into villages and taught like medical clinics and we taught the women crafts they could take to market um i did work in haiti after the earthquake um i've done work in the philippines after a tsunami i spent a summer in tonga at a youth um, like residential treatment facility for like youth who are struggling with drugs mm-hmm. and then I've done domestic stuff like disaster work tornadoes hurricanes and Paul can I tell you something very exciting yeah I just found out yesterday I got accepted to go to the Bahamas over my Christmas break oh, to wow. do disaster work from Hurricane Dorian okay what organization is, is that with Ooh, all hands and hearts I love all hands and hearts <gasps> how do you know about all I hands went and twice hearts? with them shut up are yeah, you serious I, I don't shut up but <laughs> wait which trips did you do I went to Puerto Rico and okay. I went to Mexico the Oaxaca Oaxaca no I wasn't in Oaxaca I was in uh, um, Morelos okay we were building a, a, another <gasps> school there 
And you were in Puerto Rico. I was in Puerto Rico. Um, when were you in Puerto Rico? It was a year and, you know, a half ago. I love this. Yeah. Like, this makes me so happy. Yeah, I was in Berenquitas up in the mountains. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay. I was looking at all hands and I was looking at going to the Bahamas. It just like, I forgot yeah. about it. <laughs> well, I just applied so five days ago. Cause, so they, last time I checked, they had 7,000 people who had applied. And so I thought, oh, I'll apply, but mm. I don't, I don't think I'll get in because that's mm. a lot of people. And then just yesterday I found yeah. out. Cool. So I'm so excited. You'll be there for Christmas? Yeah, over Christmas. So I leave December 20th or 21st and then I'm there until January 4th. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited. That'll be really cool. Do yeah. they comp your flight or anything? Mm-mm. No. No. Nope. Yeah. I think sometimes they will, like if they are really in desperate need of volunteers at a certain location, they'll pay for your flight. Yeah. Um, if you if you can stay two weeks, two, at least two weeks. That's yeah. how it was for Puerto Rico. Oh, nice. Yeah. How did you hear about All Hands and Hearts? I was just looking up ways to volunteer okay. online, and I just yeah. happened upon it. And I, I volunteered, that. and I got an email a few days later that was accepted. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. I didn't yeah. think I'd be accepted because so many of these volunteer things are kind of hard to get yes. into. I uh-huh. tried volunteering at other ones and like there was no personal interaction. I didn't know anybody yeah. and I don't know what happened. They just kind of fell through, but they, they got back to me and I'm like, oh, this is really happening. Yeah. They're an incredible organization. Yeah. They really are yeah. like from top to bottom, just an incredible. Was Mexico response? Like immediate um, response? No, we were rebuilding an elementary school. Oh, that's And internationally, they almost always, I think, work six six, uh, six days. days a week. And I think that might be a, a drawback, especially yeah. if you're there for longer than just six days. Because yeah. if you're this there for a week, yeah, let's get everything we can. Like, I'm here right. to serve. I want to, like, do all this. But if you're there for even longer than a week, yeah, it's hard to do six days a week. And that is not easy work. Nope. <laughs> It's so hard. Paul, every trip, this will, Bahamas will be my eighth trip with them. With all hands and hearts? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I found them when I was in Haiti. um, I was with an organization called Sustain Haiti. And around the corner from us was the all hands base. And so that's how I was introduced to it. And I thought, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to check them out. So the next summer, I went to the Philippines with them. Okay. And um, and then I was just kind of hooked. Have you ever wanted to work? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You I, don't want to get paid like like eight hundred dollars a month and no. <laughs> <laughs> and deal with all of the logistics. No, I just want to show up and work. But it is hard work. It is. And every single time I apply for a new trip, I think. Bex, is this really how we want to spend our break? <laughs> like working our guts out. We could be at home reading. We could, but but here's, so that's always, I'm excited. I get my acceptance email and I'm super excited. And then I have this period where I'm like, ah, really, is this what we want to do? Right? We could be at home reading and drinking hot cocoa over Christmas instead of working our guts out. And then it transitions into this like, well, you could be at home reading and drinking hot cocoa because you still have a home, right? And these are people who have lost everything. So like, just get outside of yourself and go. And I've never regretted a trip ever. Yeah. But I'm tired when I'm done with them. Yeah. Because it's hard work. 
it is hard mentally work. and physically i was much less tired in puerto rico were you because we got two days two a days weekend. yes and i needed that to recuperate yeah so well and sometimes just like the one thing with the philippines I was okay working the six days, but for me, I wanted to be able to experience the culture. Like that's a big part of travel for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to museums or tourist spots. Like I want to sit with the locals and really experience their life, right? (laughs) Yes. Like I can, I can experience comfort and ease when I'm back home, right? I want to really see what life is like in this country. And when you have one day off, it's, it makes it challenging to really Mm -hmm. like immerse yourself in the culture yeah so that for me that's the biggest thing with working the six days is then i just have one day and i'm tired (laughs) like i want to sleep in and just kind of hang out but then there's also this competing desire to like go like sit with the people and experience life so so in all of these volunteer things what's one experience that stands out to you Mm. so I did Oklahoma over the summer. Okay. Um, and there were some things that happened right before I left that, like, I hopped on the plane with a pretty heavy heart. And um, and I even got to base and was questioning, like, sh- should I have done this? Maybe I should have stayed home where I was, like, with my people, right? Like, my tribe. Because, like, I just have so much sadness in my body right now. And... And then I'm here with no one that I know. And then it like literally maybe an hour after the teams got back, cause I got there in the middle of the day. So no one's at base. And yeah. um, then I was sitting there talking with people and it was just, I forgot how quickly like these people become your people, right? Cause there's just like like-minded and everybody's there. Like it just doesn't matter like your religious beliefs or your political stance or your race or your gender or your um, sexual like none of that matters right like it's just like so quickly these people become your people and um, and so where one minute I was questioning like oh my gosh maybe I shouldn't maybe this is not what my heart needed mm-hmm. um, very quickly it was like this is exactly what my heart needed and it was the best place I could have been in those like two and a half weeks yeah so I don't know if that is necessarily it just it yeah it just was this like when you can be in a space where um where humans just get to be humans with one another right yeah and nothing else matters we're able to see beyond the surface there's something really healing about those spaces yeah and and I think I came back with very much a healed heart so yeah that's awesome. Yeah, it was a pretty beautiful experience. Um, I find that the simple things like that, that simple story, yeah, those define our lives. Yeah, right? Tell me about uh, being a counselor. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> what would you like me to tell you, Paul? What have you learned interacting with kids? Oh, these are like deep questions. What have I learned? I don't ask easy questions. <laughs> realizing that um i think one thing that i've learned is the value of like being seen like so and it can be as simple so like one of my favorite parts of my school day is right in the beginning we do something called breakfast in the classroom 
So all the kids meet in the gym and, um, and then they come through the breakfast line and I get to be at the big, like the front of the breakfast line that they're coming through. And I'm fortunate that I have a smaller school, so I know every student's name. And, um, so as they come through the line, like I greet them by name, some of them, we have special handshakes. Some of them are thing is rock, paper, scissors, all like if they've gotten a haircut or I get to follow up on grandma's surgery. Right. And, and I think sometimes we underestimate how important those moments are, right? Like just to see and to be seen, like there's, there's power in that, right? There's power in just remembering someone's name or a piece of their story that they told you. Uh, so it doesn't even have to be these huge things, but like as human beings, we need connection and connection can come through someone remembering your name or someone noticing that your hair is different or right. Like there's, there's connection in that. I'm going to go back to healing because connection also is necessary for healing. Yeah. So when you think about it that way, like the, 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 how powerful it is for us to be like present with people and to really see them. And sometimes like I'm still human. So sometimes students come into my office and I have my own stuff going on. And I think I haven't perfected this, (laughs) but I'm learning how important it is for me to develop this skill of being able to like put my stuff aside in order to be a hundred percent present with them in that moment, right? Like my stuff isn't going anywhere. So when they leave my office, I can pick my stuff back up and continue sorting through it. But when someone has made the decision to, to like, I don't know, like just to, to allow us into their space, we need to like honor and respect that by being fully present, putting our phones down. Um, you know, like what, whatever it is that's distracting us, just doing our best to not bring it into this person's space and really like honor that they've been vulnerable enough to let us in there. Yeah. Even children, yeah. right? Like sometimes we think, oh, they're just kids, but like, no, they're, they're just little humans, but they're humans and they yeah. have the same needs that like big humans have. Yeah. So. I mean, isn't that crazy to remember we all do just have the same needs? Yeah. A big person, an adult, is really just a big kid. Right. It's just a bigger body. Some of us act, you know, play a part better than others, (laughs) but we're all just big kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And those needs are the same, for sure. Yeah. So that's been, yeah, I think, and the cool thing about my job is I get to learn lessons like this, like, every single day. And I get to realize where my shortcomings are and places that I still like need growth. Like my job provides that insight on a daily basis, which Am- is ample cool. ammunition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some days where I certainly wish <laughs> that like my weaknesses weren't necessarily being like, uh, highlighted for me, but I would say the majority of the time, like that's a blessing to have a job that, that, provides so many opportunities yeah. for growth so um can you tell me about tonga your experience in tonga yeah what were you doing there so i was doing my undergrad practicum at this treatment center um so it was interesting because it was all uh, local staff but the clients were like american teenagers who were struggling with drugs and so they're their parents or caregivers had sent them to this treatment facility Mm. as a way to, I mean, it was like a rehab facility basically. Okay. But they learned just like the Tongan ways and culture and 
What did you get from the Tongan ways? Sounds like you. Oh, I, what did I get? I got a few extra pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like that is truth. Um, They have the best ice cream that's imported from New Zealand. Okay. And they have these things. I don't know if this is a technical term, but we call them creamy buns. So it's like these homemade rolls with this delicious cream inside of them. Okay. And we ate them every single day because they were like a quarter, uh-huh. right? So then you think, oh, I have a dollar, four for a dollar. <laughs> so good. Um, so I definitely came home with some extra pounds. But like the Polynesian cultures are beautiful. I, are, are you familiar with Polynesian not, cultures I want to explore that part of the world. But. Oh my gosh, they're beautiful. Like their music is amazing. They're they're dancing like dance is a big part of their culture and their dances are beautiful um but even just sometimes you'll hear they would give you the shirt off your back and that is literal truly if you needed a shirt someone would give you their shirt but even beyond that it's just this idea that in the polynesian culture what's mine is yours what's yours is mine Mm -hmm. um and with my american frame of mine that was a little challenging so like what's what's mine is yours was beautiful and then the what's yours is mine it was kind of like well no that's mine (laughs) right like that's my shirt I brought that so that like that it's just not really how we think Mm -hmm. like in America right I think in general it's there's kind of this like this is mine and this is yours and do you think it could be more of a an abundance mindset like, well, there's a lot. Yeah. I can just give this. It doesn't cost me anything. What is it? I think it's just their culture, honestly. Like, I think from, like, like millennia, it's, it just is their culture. Huh. Truly. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. So, like, that was, um, like, a beautiful thing for me to witness and to realize, like, I'm not quite like that, but I would like to get to a point in my life yeah. Where I could be like that, right? Yeah. Where I'm like less attached to material possessions. And maybe that's one of the things that's beautiful about it, right? Is there's not this attachment to like material possessions. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like it's just a shirt. Yeah. You need a shirt? Sure, it's just a shirt. I can get another one. Or, yeah. you know, like if my brother or sister is in need, then, and I have the means to help, I'm going to help. Mm-hmm. Like it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Tell me about your project that you uh, started a year year ago interviewing people oh so that started in march okay this year in this march year. and uh-huh. you've already interviewed how many people um 109 that's a lot of people since March. what does that end up being march april may do the math <laughs> uh let's see that's that's like, like thir- 13 a month so, so it's like 13 or yeah. 14 a month yeah so really it was just supposed to be a one month project where I uh, interviewed a stranger every day for a month. And it really was just supposed to be talk to a stranger every day. But I did that anyway. And I wanted, the whole idea was to push myself beyond what was comfortable, right? And um, to kind of step into discomfort and work through that. And so talking to a stranger was not going to do that for me. And so I kind of, beefed it up to be that I had to interview someone um, and that I would ask everyone a key to happiness in life and a piece of life advice and get their picture 
And so initially, it, I just was posting on my Facebook page because it was just supposed to be one month. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first, many people, I was terrified to approach them because <laughs> like, I just was worried. I don't know, like, what would they say? And I'm just this weird woman saying, hey, you want to tell me about your life? Yeah. Um, but that's what I was trying to accomplish, right? To push through this being terrified or yeah. this discomfort. There's still moments where I get super nervous to approach someone, but it's changed my views on rejection. It's changed my views on just the way I see human beings. How has it changed your view on rejection? Well, so I think rejection is so, like, feels so hard because we take it personally, right? We think someone's rejecting us as a person. And um, there were many moments where I would ask someone if they would be willing to be my stranger for the day and they would say no, right? And it would just be like, oh, okay. And then I would ask another person and maybe they would say no. And then I would finally ask someone that said yes. And it was exactly like their story was what I needed to hear that day. Mm -hmm. Or I'd have someone reach out to me through a private message who had read their story and say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. And so I just started thinking, when someone says no, they're not rejecting me personally, right? It's not that they think I look funny or they, they think I wouldn't be a good person to talk. It's not about me at all, right? It's just, it's not their time to tell their story or for, for them, or it's not, their story is not what I need in that moment or what someone else might need. And if I were to circle around to that person, they might say yes because it was the timing right so I think with rejection if like for me just not viewing it as like this personal thing but just viewing it as like this is not what's supposed to happen in my life right now right you're dating someone or you've gone on some dates and then they decide they don't want to go on dates with you anymore it's easy to be like oh it's about me yeah what did I do wrong? I didn't do my hair well enough that day, right? Or my breath didn't smell good, right? We just immediately go into this, like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And, and if, for me, like, I've just started realizing it's not, it's not necessarily about me, right? It's, maybe it's about where they are in their life, and this isn't what they need, or this isn't what I need, but it doesn't have to be personal. Yeah. So that's been, like, a cool... A cool lesson that I've learned. It sounds like a very powerful tool to be able to handle rejection in a very positive way. Right? Yeah. And just, and I don't think it's just this like, um, let's just pretend so that I feel better about rejection. Like I really think there's truth in that. Yeah. That it's not it's not about us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So that's been a cool lesson. Honestly, like interviewing strangers has been life changing for me. Truly. Like, I know that sounds cliche, but like life changing. The way I view people is different. Um, it, it just, I think if we would just really spend time connecting with others and getting to know people's stories. So, when you see somebody mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. compared to how you saw them before, before mm-hmm. how was it different? Um, so what I quickly noticed was when I started interviewing people and really wanting to know people's stories, um, I would look at someone and I would think, I wonder what their story is. And there's no judgment in that. 
right? It wasn't, I can't believe they're doing that, or I can't believe they live their life like this, or it's their own fault, right? It, there's, there's judgment in all of those statements. Yeah. But truly, I'd be walking around because I was always looking for someone to interview, right? Because at first I was doing it daily. So I was always looking for the next person to interview. And so I was always looking at people and thinking, I wonder what their story is. I wonder what their story is. Uh, and I think this has probably been one of the most powerful lessons I've learned through this is that those six words, I wonder what their story is, take us from a place of judgment to a place of curiosity. And then if we're willing to explore that curiosity, it takes us to a place of connection and compassion. So there's this really cool, his name is Gregory Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest. And he started this gang prevention program in LA. And for a long time, it was the biggest gang prevention program in the entire world. Um, I don't know about now. And he has two books, Tattoos on the Heart and Barking to the Choir. And they're all about his work with gang members. And he says, um, it is impossible, not impossible, it's hard to demonize someone you really know. And so I think when we are willing to get beyond judgment and explore and just cultivate curiosity about people and then explore that curiosity, inevitably it develops compassion because we learn about someone's story and suddenly it's not this like lazy bum on the street, yeah. right? It's someone who at one point in their life like built a house with their own hands and worked almost 30 years with the company before they were fired and you know like and and so when you see that person it's it's no longer judgment it's this compassion because you understand their story and yeah. not just what you are seeing yeah yeah it's cool do you it's ever cool. have days where you don't care what someone's story is yeah of course <laughs> i'm human paul <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah, and there's days where I have mean thoughts about people. And yes, yes, I have those moments. Yeah, and I try to be kind with myself mm -hmm. and understand that, like, I am also human. Yeah. And so I'm going to have those moments. And they don't mean I'm a bad person because that's where we go, right? Like, sometimes I'll think if people knew who you really were, right, if people knew that you had thoughts like that, and then I'm like, no, but like the service trips and caring about people's stories, like that's who I really am. And then I have thoughts, but like an unkind thought here or there is not my identity, yeah. right? It's a thought. It might just be an undigested piece of beef. Exactly. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna start telling myself that <laughs> I have undigested food. But yeah, of, of course I have those moments yeah. that I think we all have. And I think for me at least, like I'm never going to not have those moments yeah. as long as I'm a human being. But I think having less and less of those moments is a goal. And uh, I think just recognizing those moments and figuring out what they're about instead of so absorbing them. Why would you want to have less of those moments? getting really deep into what's going on, why would you want to have less of those moments of, you know, not caring about people or? I, I think. And I ask it because, you know, we, so often we take these things, well, duh, like we should be good or whatever, right. but 
But what's your motivation? I mean, I think on the surface, it's simply that I don't feel good when I have negative feelings towards another human being or negative thoughts about another human being. Or maybe an absence like, of feelings towards another being. Yeah, yeah, like it just doesn't feel good in my body. I don't feel good about myself. Um, I don't feel like I'm living my best life yeah. in those moments. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's really probably... I think... I just don't feel good. I feel so much better when I am concerned about other human beings, when I am connecting with other human beings in a positive way. Yeah. Um, when I'm connected in my community. Like, I genuinely feel happier. Yeah. About my life. And, and nothing in my life could have changed in terms of circumstances. But, like, I feel happier and healthier and more whole when I'm part of a connected community. And I think that's really what it's about. Yeah. You know, it's about us each finding happiness and feeling good. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. You talked about volunteering, you know, setting a plan, mm -hmm. then usually having a phase of doubting it uh -huh. <laughs> and going and doing it anyways. Yeah. And I think that really exemplifies this process that we go through about caring about people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. On a, on a smaller scale, like, I want to reach out to this person. I want to care about them. Then I'm going to have doubts. Mm-hmm. Then I just need to follow through. And the reward is connection and happiness. I totally agree. So you portrayed like that. pushing through that doubt, that discomfort. In, instead of questioning... Right, I think sometimes that doubt or that discomfort makes us question, should I be doing this? Or is this worth it? Or X, Y, or Z, but really what you just said, like just follow through with it. Yeah. Right, with that initial, at, at some point there was something inside of you that drove you yeah. to wanting to do this. And I think that's the piece that we want to stay connected to, yeah. not the doubt. Sometimes it's hard too, but it's yeah, worth it. It's, it's worth totally it. hard. I'm telling I have to talk even coming down here to the library, you know, like today was a really cold day. Yeah. And um and and there's times where I'm really tired and I think I just would rather go home today, you know, and, and I will think and that's okay. It's okay, Bex, if we want to go home, we go out two or three days a week. It's okay if we want to go home. And, and then, and there are some times where I honor that, mm -hmm. right? I think sometimes we have to recognize, um, or, or just be aware of our needs. For sure. Like I take sixth graders hiking. I have an after school hiking club and I take sixth graders hiking on Wednesdays. And we, most of these kids have never been up in the mountains. Their, uh, their exercise routines are non-existent. <laughs> Right. So even little hills for them are like big hills. And we talk about on every hike before we even hike in our initial introduction to the club. Um, and then on every single hike, we talk about the difference between wanting a break and needing a break and really trying to teach them to to kind of tune into their bodies mm -hmm. and um, and connect with. Do I just want a break right now because this is hard or do I need to take a break? And, and there's a real difference between those. And I think that that holds true to a lot of areas in our lives, Yeah. right? Do I want 
to quit right now because this is hard or do I need to, to quit or, or assign this to someone else mm-hmm. or right. And, and really checking in with ourselves. And if we need to stop something, if we need to stop and take a break, if we need to put something away for a while, there's no shame in that. Right. right? Like we just, we honor that need in our bodies. If it's more like, I just want to, because right. I'm tired or this is not convenient or this is not comfortable, right. then there's, there's a, a lot of growth to be had in pushing through Yeah, when it's just a want. I do think it's an important question to learn to ask, what do I need? Yes. And just taking the time to ask it. Yeah. Like you said. And listening and honoring yeah. whatever response you get. And maybe like me, I may not get a response. I may just not know, mm-hmm. but the answer's somewhere. And if I keep on asking, eventually I'm going to find it. Yeah. There's in, are you familiar with DBT? Mm. So it's a therapeutic modality. It stands for dialectical behavioral therapy. Uh, and one of their, I don't know what you'd call it, models, one of their teachings is that we have, um, three pieces to our mind so we have our emotional mind and we have our logical mind and then we have our wise mind Hmm. and our wise mind is where our emotional and logical mind meet and we don't want to just think in our emotional mind all the time and we don't want to stay in our logical mind all the time Um, but if we can if we can operate from our wise mind as often as possible then we're making our best choices and so I think that question what do I need right now is a wise mind question, right? It's, I mean, it sounds kind of like, ooh, like weird and yeah. right. But really being able to ask your wise mind, yeah. what do I need right now? What do we need yeah. right now? Cause I think we're made of many parts. Yeah. So, um, interesting it reminds me someone, once had me put rose essential oil mm-hmm. and some olive oil on the back of my neck said this will help your heart and your mind communicate <laughs> really and i and i did it and who knows if the rose did anything but the huh. intention made a difference yes the action of like oh i'm going to unify my head and my heart and get yeah. that wise mind yep and it was grounding every time i did it just because the intention was there uh-huh and and the awareness mm-hmm. yeah it's like a um, placebo yeah. Effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it works. Placebo they work. effect is real. The yes. power of the mind is real. Yeah, absolutely. What were the two questions that you asked people? A key to happiness in life and a piece of life advice. Okay. How would you answer those two questions? <laughs> well, so interesting. I had some followers who suggested that I interview myself. Okay. Because um, it was like you're asking other people to share pieces of their lives and be vulnerable and so we think you should interview yourself so i did if you followed my page you would halfway down you would see a picture of me (laughs) and my interview so i talked about uh, my key to happiness was to um, be connected i'm trying to think how i worded it but really to be connected and to offer unconditional love um, to ourselves, like to find that within ourselves and then to offer that to other people. So really like love and connection are my key to happiness. And my piece of life advice was to, I think I had three. 
<laughs> all rolled into one. So one was to take lots of pictures, like to photograph life mm. or um, document life. Uh, but then I also talked about gratitude um, to understand that gratitude and any other emotion can peacefully coexist. And because I think sometimes we think if I, I can't be thankful and sad at the same time, right? It's either I'm super sad or I'm thankful and I push away my sad feelings, right? But like we can feel any emotion that's appropriate to our circumstances and still feel gratitude, right? So I can feel sad that I um, didn't get the job that I was applying for. I can feel that sadness, like genuinely feel that sadness. And at the same time, be thankful. I have a savings account to get me through until I get a job or be thankful for the job that I currently have, or be thankful for a house to live in or family and friends. Right. And, and being thankful for the things that are going right. Doesn't take away from the sadness. Yeah. And being sad doesn't have to take away from my gratitude. Like they can peacefully coexist. I don't have to choose one or the other. Interesting. And that was that was a lesson I learned after an engagement broke off. Okay. <laughs> and I was so sad, like just so sad. And I was volunteering at um, the Bishop's Storehouse, right? So I was stocking shelves at this like warehouse and my shift was almost over and I just could feel myself getting like heavier and heavier, right? With the sadness. And I was stacking those, are they like number two cans, like two pound cans or something of tomatoes. I remember specifically. And I kept saying like, Bex, just wait till we get in the car. And then all this emotion can come out. And I didn't last. I had like 10 minutes of my shift left. And I was just sitting on the ground, stocking these cans and just weeping. And just so much sadness and then at the same time I had this moment where I was like I'm so thankful that I have these girls that are letting me stay at their house because I you know like I had sold my contract like I'm so thankful that I have them and I'm so thankful for this and I'm so thankful for this and at the same time I was feeling this like deep sorrow and this intense gratitude and it was this I mean that was like five years ago and I still think about it all the time because it was such a powerful lesson to me that I could feel both I didn't have to choose I could feel both equally cool. it was a cool moment for me does the gratitude continue to help you get through the difficult emotions yes yes I I think that gratitude is like an umbrella this is my own thing too. I didn't read this somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I think gratitude truly operates like an umbrella. Like if you think of being in a storm, an umbrella does not keep you from getting wet. You, you still get wet, but you don't get soaked. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that gratitude operates in the same way. Like I'm still going to experience life and I'm still going to experience the emotions of life, but I don't get soaked by them. Like gratitude keeps me from getting soaked and drowning mm -hmm. in the storm. And I've seen that in like across so many different challenges and experiences that gratitude keeps me in a space where I still get wet. I still experience storms, 
but I don't, yeah, I don't get drenched by them. When the sun comes out, I can still put the umbrella down, but I can still be grateful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Right>? absolutely. <laughs> I don't have to keep it up. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but I do think it acts as a protection. Yeah. Like truly. Yeah. Yeah. How do you experience joy? Uh, well, I think I've kind of talked about what I do to experience joy. Yeah. To a large extent, it's like... The connection. Yeah, like serving others and staying connected. You have. Um, I think, like, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about things I'm passionate about, and I think that's a big part of experiencing joy is pursuing things you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like filling your life with things that you're passionate about. Um, and I also think that self-care is an important part of, I think, maintaining joy is taking care of yourself. We kind of talked about that, right? Like asking yourself, what do I need yeah. right now? Like when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're just feeling chaotic inside and it's hard to like access that joy, I think really stepping back and saying, what do I need to add? What do I need to take away? Yeah. Like to be able to like access that joy again. And what was the name of your, of your page? Oh, bridging.humanity. Bridging.humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's Instagram and Facebook? So Facebook, I don't post them on Facebook anymore. Okay. I just did that during the month I was doing it. Okay. And then when I decided I'm going to continue doing this, uh, that's when I created an Instagram page. Because okay. I thought some people might want to read people's interviews, but not see what I'm doing with my nieces this weekend. Sure, sure. <laughs> so I created that separate page. So it's just, they're just posted on Instagram now at bridging.humanity. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Becky, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. And sharing your insights and your life. Those were like good questions. (laughs) (laughs) They made me think. (laughs) So thanks, yeah, thanks for wanting to hear my story. You're very welcome. That's it for this episode of the People Around Town Community Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes, love it, leave a review. Or go to peoplearoundtown.com and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome day.